0: And it's good seeing you all this morning. Also great seeing all the kids walk out. That's a lot of kids. I love it. <clears throat> Once again, uh, I walk in, kids, first question, where are your kids? Uh, so I clearly know my place here. I am clearly behind Jacelyn and Janie, and I need to catch up. Uh, a couple of quick things. Um, I wasn't going to start this way, but I, I sort of have to because uh, it's just part of this incredible story. Um, So it's funny, when this process started, Brian asked me, would I put my name to be the head pastor? And the first response was, good luck with that. And uh, then God's clearly been working on my heart. And some of you know this, and God put it in there, but some of you don't know the full story. Because I have... A past connection to Living Hope slash Dunphy. My past was, most of you know, it's called Camp Blast now, but back when I was a kid, it was called Camp Mac, so it will forever be known as Camp Mac to me, and it is what I grew up on. And so, one of the lovely, awesome leaders was Mr. Jerry Blanchard, and uh, so... It's an inside story because Brian told Jerry, like, you're going to know the guy from Camp Mac. You're going to know him, but he didn't tell him his name. So I just had a conversation with Jerry down there, and he said he went through all the names he could think of, and my name wasn't one of them. (laughs) Just to be clear. So you know where I stand. So if God... God is good because he can even work on me. If he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. So here we go. The second part is um, his son, Dan. We like to push the envelope down there. I will just say that, but uh, a true friend, um, seeing him today brought up emotions. I was not nervous until I saw him. I'm just being honest. I think there's a vulnerability to that, but... Uh, The relationships that were built uh, back then, it it was like a flood of emotions of just seeing someone that you truly care about and someone, and all of us can look back at that. You hear a song, you see someone you haven't seen, and it's like, man, time flies. But it's almost like you just went right back to it. And so I just want to say how much you mean to me in front of everyone. And so thank you for being here. And uh, there's many others, but I just wanted to note that out. And then third final thing, and Dan played a part in this, is most people don't know, Brian does know, um, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, when I was hanging out with him, and might have been part of the reason, I had an inkling that I was going to be a pastor at Dunphy Missionary Church. I did not know that at the time but i had this pull and that's why i've not said anything until you guys voted me officially in last week because if you voted against god (laughs) i would have known it wasn't the right church to be at (laughs) um and i don't know how god works and there there's part of this mystery of god that i i think we always and we are supposed to try to understand but there's this part that back then it was like this pull uh, that I was supposed to be the pastor someday. And so when I was asked it, that was clearly like good luck, sort of run from it. But then when I told my wife, my wife's like, you have mentioned this in the past. And so we need to pray about it and think about it. So God works in mysterious ways. And uh, those are just some of the craziness Um, I am so blessed to be with you today and going forward in this family Uh, thank you for voting yes to me it makes (laughs) exciting Um, last week we did the whole overview of six points one point being God's overall love three points were that of dealing with a vertical how do we deal with God God dealing with us and the last two points were horizontal points How do we deal with others? Refresher is, one is God's love. Two was love God. Three was know God. Four was God know me. Five was love others. And then six is disciple. And so today, we're just going to deal with God's love. And then next week, we will continue down each one. So before we begin, let's begin with a word of prayer. There and Father, thank you for this time this week together uh, studying your word. Um, be with it right now that people will hear you speak and people will read your words and not me. May I become less and may you do all the work. I thank you for this opportunity to, to just communicate your love towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to be digging into Hosea. So you can start digging in there. You can start going there. Before we get there, I'm going to go through some other verses. You can jot them down and go through them later. But I'm going to be skipping through some of those before we settle in Hosea for a little bit. But let's first start with some facts of God's love. Okay? So one is A, creation. It says in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God is timeless. He is all-powerful. He is mighty. He is ruler. He is creator. What's funny is even Paul Davies, now Paul Davies is an agnostic when it comes to the notion of a divine designer. But even he says this, everyone agrees that the universe looks as if it was designed for life. And here I'm going to give you, there's many more, but I'm going to give you three quick cool facts that I think uh, that show God's love and care in creation. One is that the earth's relationship to the sun is favorable in life. The earth rotates around the sun within a tight, habitable zone. That is highly statistically unlikely. That it is in the perfect spot. Because if the earth was slightly more distant from or slightly closer to, there wouldn't be no stable water source whatsoever. Also, small changes within the... Tilt of our planet or minor variations in the tilt's axis would disallow our climate. Another one, our Earth's crust thickness has to be within a certain parameter. If it is too thick, basically we would poison ourselves. And if it is too thin, there'd be too much volcanic activity that we could not live on it. And thirdly, our Earth's atmospheric conditions are favorable to life. That is basically saying if Earth's gravity was stronger, our atmosphere would contain too much methane for us. But if our planet's gravity was weaker, Earth wouldn't be able to retain enough water. So I just want to get this straight. These are three. There's many more. But we are in the perfect spot with the sun at a perfect axis and a perfect tilt. Okay, awesome. We're also extremely lucky to have the right amount of crust. It's not like it's too thin, it's not that it's too much. It's pretty cool that we have a crust at all. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, after that, then that just makes sure that we have the correct amount of oxygen that we can breathe. And it's the right amount of gravity so we can stay here and we just don't float away off into the atmosphere or be pushed down. I find the fine-tuning so amazing and so unique. It's just the fine points of God's love for creation. It was not just made out of happenstance. Have you ever built anything? Anything worthwhile? Have you invested in something? Some of you might invest in your business. Maybe, Maybe you invested or you built something. If you're building, you know, I've always wanted to build, but I don't have the patience for it. Like one of those cool boats that you put like in one of the ships, you know, like that takes time. That takes effort because you care about it. I'm sure you can make it and stuff it in there, but no one's going to be like, that's cool. There are, that, is, that is amazing God's showing. This goes into the whole unity of God's creation. He has created the universe, the world, life itself, and you. It says in Psalms 139, 13 through 14, for you, were for, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. This is a fine-tuned direction of love. i want to get through the other facts. B. He sent his son to earth. That's John 1, 1 through 4. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It's amazing that God sent Jesus to earth. But not just that, many people thought that the Messiah was coming to reign, like to rule, to take over and finally put it. Now, Jesus came to reign, but in a different way than we, because he's reigning right now, but in a different way than we suspected. And that goes to point C. Jesus came and died for you, a sinner. He just didn't send Jesus to earth but he came to save it, to conquer death and sin for any man or woman that calls on his name. John 3, 16 through 17. And we looked at these verses a little bit last week. says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And you also look at Romans 5, 7 through 8. It says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person. One would even even die for. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But that's not it. He rose again, conquering death. And the final fact, there's more facts, but... The final one I'm going to highlight is he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is praying for us because he loves us. Romans 8.26 says this about the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And not just the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is as well. Because it continues on in Romans 8, uh, 34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Why all of this? Because he loves you. There are many more facts but these are just some of the facts of God's love. I believe that sometimes we forget the wholeness, the power, the unmeasurable amount of God's love for us. And I believe one of the stories in the scriptures that illustrate this well is that of the book and story in Hosea. So most of you are there, but if you're not, we're going to start in Hosea 1. As you turn there, a little backstory to Hosea. Hosea is the title of the book, and he is also the main character and the author. Hosea's uh, name actually means salvation. It's the same as Joshua and uh, Jesus. Hosea lived in the northern kingdom of Israel about 200 years after it had broken off from southern uh, Judea. Hosea was called to speak on God's behalf during one of the worst kings, Jer- uh, King Jeroboam II, the nation was going into chaos. As most of you know, and if you were here once tonight, most of you know, the northern kingdoms didn't really follow God's way at all. And so uh, that's where Hosea is at. The, uh, the Assyrian Empire has come in and is uh, basically causing disasters in Israel. The book of Hosea is around 25 years of his life uh, as a whole book. And it's almost all poetry. And if you read it, To be honest, it's almost all PG-13 and rated R. It's very raw. It's very real. It pulls no punches. It talks about betrayal. It uh, it has that kind of atmosphere in it. This is not the Sunday morning kids' story. We're going to look at the first three chapters, though. And the book begins to deal with Hosea's marriage to Gomer. And let's go look at Hosea 1 2. And it says this When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer. So Hosea and Gomer are now married, they have three kids. I'm not going to get into it, but you should look up their kids' names. It's crazy. Uh, We'll have to uh, move on past that. But now you know Hosea's married. Okay? We're going to skip ahead a little bit to chapter 2. Because in in chapter 2 of Hosea, it deals with Gomer and uh, Israel's adultery, uh, adulterous ways. So now if you're in chapter 2, verse 2, and I know I skipped a lot of one, but this is where we're going to hang out. It says... Contend with your mother, contend, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. And let her put away her harlotry from her face. This language is applicable to Gomer, but it is a depiction of a courtroom scene in which the Lord is the plaintiff and he is bringing charges. He is bringing charges against Israel. And there are some of these that he talks about. In verse 10, he says, And then I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. Lovers also refers to idolatry that they held on to. In verse 11, it talks about, I will also put an end to her mirth, her feast, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all of her festivals. This was saying that basically since the Exodus story from egypt israel has intermingled the worship of the lord with the worship of other false gospels we talked about that a little bit on wednesday night at the bible study that it wasn't just like hey we're not going to worship uh god anymore the one true god we're going to intermingle gods because if this god's this way then i can go into my closet and worship this idol or i can do this that's not always this the pushing away it's the accepting of others and now we are calm Combining them. So now we get to the Hosea story. Because now Hosea and Gomer. Gomer is just like Israel, and Israel is just like Gomer. Gomer's now going out at night and being with others. Being with others. Unfaithful to Hosea. Going out, out night after night. And it talks about, even in chapter 2, as we continue on, that Hosea, even when she would get home, would try to have stuff around for her. It says that he he would give her things like fine wines, and then she would go out, and then she'd come back, and then he would try to, he would give her grain, and then she would go out, and then come back, and then give her oil, silver, and gold, and she would go out and come back. And each time she would leave him, and she didn't even know that the, The gifts were from Hosea. Now, put yourself in Hosea's shoes now. Literally think if your special significant other betrayed you, left you, and yours, would you feel his pain? Would you feel his heart? of what that would, would be like? Because God's also showing that that's what you've done to me, Israel. You're sleeping around. You're off. You're off doing your own things. You are doing that to me. But God then says in Hosea two nineteen, which is unfathomable to me, he says, I will betroth you, To me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. Because you know what then God does? God tells Hosea that despite Gomer's unfaithfulness, he is to go find her, pay off her debts to her lovers. And commit his love and faithfulness to her. This is all a prophetic symbol of God's relationship to Israel. So God is like the faithful husband. And Ro- we just read it, Romans 2 19 through 20. It says, I will betroth you three times. This is showing the intensity of God's love for the nation. Here are some examples of his love to the nation. He brought them out of slavery into Mount Sinai, where he entered into a covenant with them, where they were to be faithful to him alone. Then God brought them to the promised land. But then they committed adultery and idolatry to Canaanite gods, Baal. Right now, God has legitimate reason to break the covenant just like Hosea has legitimate reason to break his covenant of marriage to Gomer. But instead of ending the covenant, he decides to renew the covenant. It says this in Hosea 3.1. And this is mind-boggling to me. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Basically, back then, if uh, raisin cakes were eaten at special occasions and uh, some even they were more idolatrous ceremonies and uh, aphrodisiacs. And still, God tells Hosea to go again that Hosea was commanded to pursue his adulterous and possibly enslaved wife. Because if you look at chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, it says that Hosea had to purchase Gomer for 15 shackles of silver and one and a half homers of barley. Hosea was purchasing something that was already supposed to be his, just as God has to purchase something that is already supposed to be his. This is showing God's unquenchable love for a faithless Israel. The theme of Hosea is God's loyal love for his covenant people Israel despite of their idolatry. The Lord's true love for his people is unending and will tolerate no rival. This is shown in particular, real-life metaphor with Hosea and his wife, Gomer, where there is sin, judgment, and forgiving love. If you want the crux of the lesson, it's overflowing love. You can't love God and love others until you realize the true, unending, and that is the love of God that he has for you. We cannot earn God's love. Here's the shocker of the story. We are all Gomer. We, as people, when we read stories, we like to put ourselves as the hero of the story. When you read, you usually read, I'm David, when I'm fighting Goliath. When we read stories, we put ourselves as the hero. But the shocker is we cannot really be Hosea until we realize we are Gomer. And you need love, forgiveness. The I will betroth you kind of love that only comes from God. From a God that doesn't need you, but still pursues you and wants a relationship with you. Now, let me get something straight. I'm not saying that we are not supposed to live righteous lives. We are because the word says so. We are called to be godly men and godly women. But let's get something straight, though. God's level is to a level that is overflowing love. Let me give you another example of a story about overflowing love. It's about a woman named Mary Johnson. Mary Johnson had one son. And in February 12th of 1993 her son was killed her son was killed and in two days later they found one of the men and his name was O'Shea Israel he was a 16 year old and he confessed to the killing he was tried as an adult and convicted of second degree murder she got to speak at the sentencing and this is what she said you know what If my son had taken your life, I would expect him to have to pay the cost. And then I ended up telling him that I would forgive him. And the word, the the Bible, says in order for me to forgive, to be forgiven, you must forgive. So I said, okay, I have to tell him that. But when she got home, her true feelings arose. She says this, wave, wave. After wave after wave, the tsunami hit of hatred. Here I am, a Christian woman, and I hated this 16-year-old boy. And I never thought I'd put my life back together. Years would pass, almost 12 years, and she kept on hearing things like, Mary, pray for him, and pray like you pray for yourself. She would tell them, I'm praying for them. But then, she said, I started to pray for him like I prayed for myself. And every time his name came up, or my son's name came up, every time, I would choose to forgive. So I repented, and I truly believed that I did. But at that time, she decided to take another step towards forgiveness. And in 2005, Mary asked the Department of Corrections to have a face-to-face with O'Shea. She said, I have to make sure I have truly forgiven him, that I don't have all this hatred. So she talks to him and she says this, look, I told you in the court that I forgive you, but today from the bottom of my heart, I want you to know that I forgive you. And O'Shea was like, ma'am, how can you do that? Mary said, because of who is in me. O'Shea asks for a hug. And as Mary gives him a hug, she falls to the ground. And O'Shea holds her up. And at that moment, Mary said, all the hatred, all the pain, all what was against this hated 16-year-old boy had left. Five years later, O'Shea in 2010 was released from prison. Mary arranged his homecoming party. They had a party for O'Shea so when O'Shea walked in he saw all these people that he didn't know who the only way that they knew of him was because of the pain and hurt that he had caused by killing their the son and friend and as he walked in he got hugs and smiles. O'Shea says that this is another part of the forgiveness the community forgave me her friends were able to forgive me. And today, O'Shea and Mary are next door neighbors. They speak all over the country about the power of forgiveness. It says, I am so grateful for who I am today in God that I am not the person that I used to be, full of that junk and hatred. Is your life overflowing? the love of Jesus out to others, or are you trying to earn it and do it by yourself? We're going to play this video, and then I'm going to get get up here and, and finish, but as you're doing this, I want you to start thinking about the all and overflowing love that the Father has for you. Hey, Dad, it's Mark. I, uh, I know I'm probably the last person you're expecting to hear from right now. But I'm, uh... I'm home. Now you're home. (laughs) I'm actually standing on your front porch. I, uh... Look, I just want to tell you that I know I haven't been, you know, the best son. Look, I guess what I'm trying to say is... I'm I'm sorry for that, Dad. You know what? I don't know what I'm doing, alright? You've been fine without me? You know, I'm sure you continue to be fine without me. I, uh... I won't bother you no more, Dad. Alright. This sorry. Sorry for everything. Bye. I want you to walk in awe of how much God loves you. The overflowing love. This is not one of those talks that says, God is love, so do whatever you want. This is not one of those talks. It's quite the opposite. It's being rushed over with the power of God's love and knowing how much God loves you and knowing that you are his. That gives you the joy of being obedient To him, not because it earns God's love like some genie, but that you're in the family of the true king. My friend texted me this, and I I want to sort of wrap up with this. It says, God's love abolishes sin forever. It abolishes guilt, shame, failure, and fear. It abolishes death and eternity separated from God. I'm confident that every problem we face in this life is no match for his love. But I wonder how many of us start with God's love when we are faced with a problem. You can't work to earn God's love, but transformation happens when you sit and bask in the grace of God. The extreme countercultural love of Christ changes us. If we want to love well, we must be able to see ourselves as Gomer and humble ourselves to the indescribable depths of God's love for us. And that always comes back to participation, intimacy, and allowing for his love to wash over us and transform us from the inside out. So this week, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to take 15 minutes this week and just have time with all with God's love. Can you take 15 minutes and find time for all of God? Then I also want you to take 15 minutes this week and start with God's love through some problem you have. Let's be honest. Some of us are still holding on to something maybe bigger or much less than Mary. Some of us have bitterness maybe towards a family member. Maybe some of us have anger still towards God. Whatever that is, I am challenging you to spend 15 minutes this week to start putting in the right perspective of God loving you first and then viewing it through that lens. And here's the challenge. I want you to write it down. Writing it down is very key for it. It helps you see it. It helps you go back to it when when God answers it. Or you can see the process that you're growing through. And the greatest challenge and the greatest thing would be maybe someday you can share it with me or you might be able to share it to someone else that's close in your life that you trust. I hope this for you. I hope that you're able to spend that time viewing the love of an overflowing God that loves you so much. Next week is Father's Week, and I'm so excited to dig into the next point about loving God. But before we can really love God and love others, we need to know that God first loved us. As I pray, I'd love the worship team to come up. Let's pray. There, any Father, I thank you so much for everything you've done. I thank you for sending your Son, for the creation that you've given us, for the life, the breath, And then send your son to not just die for us, but to rise again. I thank you for the examples that you continue to give us to see a forgiveness like Mary in her life. To forgive someone that took everything away from her. Not by her power, but through you. May we be able to rest in that as well. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.